0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys.
1: Hi guys, you're very welcome along to episode 64 of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, my name is DJ and I'll be joined by Colm. And on today's show, we have a former
2: NFL running back. Yeah, DJ, former Super Bowl winning running back, uh, won the Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins back in 1991, and it's Ernest Biner, And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation I had with him over the weekend, and it's one, DJ, that I can't wait to let the listeners hear, because some really fascinating insight for those who don't know Ernest he uh, was running back with the Cleveland Browns played with the Washington Redskins, went back to the Browns again and finished up then with the Baltimore Ravens after they moved to Baltimore so he was there while the team moved and also a lot of interesting stuff with him talked about him winning the Super Bowl and DJ also talked with him about some of the players that he has coached over the last number of years when he was coaching in the NFL, last job he had was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he had Doug Martin there, some of the other players he was involved with was MJD down in Jacksonville and also Chris Johnson when he had that 2,000 yard season so a lot of stuff to talk talk to him about and that's coming up very shortly and really really enjoyed talking with him but before that dj as always a bit of housekeeping here we'd like to tell the listeners thank you for listening to the show as always if you have listened before thank you for coming back hopefully you have subscribed if it's your first time hopefully you will enjoy and hopefully you will subscribe to the show you can find us on all relative formats we're on itunes stitcher tune in and so on and if you want go give us a comment and be sure and spread the word about overtime Ireland and through your social media pages we really appreciate all the help we've been getting over the last few weeks and months of spreading the word and the followers are going up and the listener numbers are going up so really really grateful for all the stuff you're helping us achieve here at Overtime Ireland and with your support as we go into the season we'll grow bigger and stronger so as always thank you for your support the group that does support us each and every week is last word on sport we mention them every week here at the start of the show fantastic website covering all sports they've been doing a lot of talk about the LeBron James situation going on at the moment they, they cover MMA as well seen an article up there with former MMA superstar Kent Shamrock he was there of at the beginning of the UFC and everything going on there when that was starting to really develop into a full-fledged organisation and also some of the wrestling fans might know him from his time in WWE, but a lot of interviews there with different athletes from around different sports, but they cover all sports, and of course, they're covering the NFL, they're supporting Overtime Ireland, they post our show up there each and every week. Check out their Twitter handle, it is at LastWordOnSport, and check out their website, LastWordOnSport.com. Some fantastic writers not that going up there, so well worth a luck. And any sport you want to check, that's the place to go. Another website, DJ, we always urge them to check out, and that is... Overtime yeah, is our website. We are the OTI guys and a few other OTI guys on board writing up on the site. We had a few debut pieces going up over the past week. A piece going up there by Donica Brennan on Packers legend Brett Starr, which I really, really enjoyed reading through. And I know a number of other Packers fans and even non-Packers fans really enjoyed a fantastic piece there covering one off the NFL greats and certainly one off the great Packer players of all time. So that was a great piece. Went up and then... A few other guys then got on board. We have a few other Debbie pieces going up on this site and really exciting time here at Overtime Ireland as we head towards the upcoming season. And if you're interested in writing on the site, we've mentioned it a number of times before, get in touch with us. Give us a tweet to at Overtime Ireland or obviously you can email us at overtimeireland at gmail.com. So please do with the housekeeping covered now. We're going to go straight into the OTI Red Zone with Ernest Biner, former NFL running back and hope you'll all enjoy this OTI Red Zone. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com Delighted to be joined now on the podcast by Ernest Beiner, played in the National Football League for 14 years and won a Super Bowl at his time with the Washington Redskins. He's a two-time Pro Bowler and it's a a delight to have him on the show now. Thanks for joining us, Ernest.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, good
2: to be with you. Yeah, we had your former teammate on a couple of weeks ago, Felix Wright, played with you at the Browns where you were drafted in 1984, but Starting with your career with the Cleveland Browns, you were very productive there in your first spell with the Browns. How did you enjoy your time in Cleveland?
0: Oh, it was, uh, it was great, to tell you the truth, but one of the things that, that made it great was, was teammates like Felix. You know, I had Kevin Mack, uh, Brian Brennan, Richard Langhorne, uh, you know, uh, my offensive lineman. I mean, guys that, that we hung out with. Bernie Kozar, you know, when we were able to go and Spent some time at one of the pubs, which was, was called Friday's. Every Thursday, we were at a restaurant called Friday's, and we bonded there. You know, we had fun, we had drinks, we relaxed, went back to work on Friday, went right back to it, went back to the grind. But those type of teammates and having those type of relationships, it was really, it was really a lot of
2: fun. Yeah, a lot of people talk about the, you know, the the bond, the brothership, uh, being in an NFL locker room, and it seems like you've had that in Cleveland. And speaking with Felix a few weeks back, he certainly talked about the same things uh how good that group got on together.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it, it's amazing, and uh, you know, we stay in touch with each other too. You know, we support each other on Twitter. Uh, I'm going back to Cleveland next week to do uh, a couple of golf tournaments and some uh, some autograph things, and I'll be with Kevin again. You know, all that you know that type of stuff, man. it, It just it breeds for life.
2: Yeah, it's awesome to hear that, hearing you all sticking together and meeting up and so on. And, you know, I mentioned you were very productive there. You had a hugely successful spell. And, you know, a lot of people forget about how successful you were, maybe down to the the fumble against the Denver Broncos. The play, you know, we've we've heard of the drive. And another one that Felix talked about was the fumble. I know that was a tough time in your career for you, but I'm sure it made you stronger uh, as a result.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, when I went through with it initially, you know, it hurt, but. The pain actually got worse as time grew. Time away from the fumble made the pain worse because a lot of people talked about it. People joked about it. People made jokes at me about it, which was really, and it, and it really changed my way of uh, is actually looking at it and accepting it and actually being able to move on because it was only one play. You know what I'm saying? It was one play in that game. It was a big play, but it was a whole bunch of other plays in that game which could have, either decided the game or not decided the game. But with the way everything just got kept building and building and I I had this internal pressure that was messing with me, it just became difficult for me. And actually I became quite subconscious for a while until I got to Washington and I actually went through somewhat of a spiritual renewal or spiritual rebirth I you know, became a Christian, and then I was like, "Man, you got to forgive yourself for making a mistake. You're human. You're gonna make a mistake." So it made me weaker first, but then it also helped me to grow stronger. But then produced a, a moment that was teachable, not just for me, but for other players that I was able to coach and, and help.
2: Yeah, it was a tough uh, in the AFC Championship against the Broncos, and you know the Broncos were a bit of a I don't know what you could call them at that stage. They were your arch rival, and they just they stopped you a couple of times from getting to the Super Bowl with the Browns. But
0: yeah, they were they were what we call a nemesis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I, I interrupt you. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: But you did get to the Super Bowl, uh, Ernest, when you traded. Then I mentioned, or you mentioned earlier, you were traded to the Redskins in the se- just before the 1989 season. Uh, what was it yeah. like being traded? Was it something that you seen coming, or was it a surprise, or was it something that you were looking for?
0: It was something that I actually needed, to tell you the truth, because of, you know, because of how the fumble and then I had a penalty in, uh, in one of the playoff games that may or may not have cost us a game. You know, I kind of lost my temper in the game, and things really kind of started becoming negative in Cleveland. And you know the, some of the writers were jump, jumping on me. I mean, time in, time out. I mean, it's just a lot of things that built up. So I told my agent that uh, you know I don't know if I can continue to play if I if if I, if I stay here. So we actually kind of was you know we, we helped to trade along a little bit. So I was kind of expecting it, but it still was a shock when it finally happened. Now after after I got traded, it was you know a little bit of a relief going on to Washington talking to Joe Gibbs and, and hearing what he had in mind as far as me and Gerald Riggs, who was traded on the same day, uh, going out there talking to him about that and then, you know, realizing that it's really kind of a new beginning. So I was able to actually almost start over. You know, I actually almost felt like a rookie going into that particular camp. And luckily, and you know, being blessed as, as I was, we were able to have a, we had a great team, a team of a lot of grown men who held each other accountable. But the ultimate thing was actually being able to get in the playoffs again, get into the championship game, but also winning the Super
2: Bowl. You mentioned winning the Super Bowl. It was kind of a redemption story almost. You nearly got there with the Browns, and you know, with the fumble, it didn't quite happen. But you just got to the Super yeah. Bowl, and in the second quarter of that game, you actually caught a 10 yard reception for a touchdown. You just went on to win yeah. that game 37 24 against the Buffalo Bills. But uh, yeah. was that the biggest score off your career and just what was it like scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl
0: and again it was uh, another thing of you know somewhat like relief because you know you, you just never know I mean the, the play was set up for me to get the ball we we expected them to be in man coverage Ricky Sanders Artmark and Garrett Clark were in a bunch formation real tight and I lined up I cheated up and out uh, out there on uh, Jim Lachey and when the ball was high I just ran right off of Ricky's ass into the flat. I'm sorry, I curse. Put his butt into the slab, <laughs> And uh, it was set up perfectly, man. He got a nice little pick, popped the ball, man. Mark came over, gave me a hug. I think everybody was, was really, really rooting for me on that team and really happy for me being able to, to be a part of a championship team but also be an integral part of, you know, building and getting to that that point.
2: So it was one of those plays, kind of when you seen the formation set up, you kind of thought, right, I'm in with the big chance here to get in this one.
0: Oh, I knew it! I, I knew it! that's they had man coverage. I'm gonna be the I'm the first read on that play. I'm 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 right to the flat right away, and as soon as I got past the, the bunch formation, I turned my head to look around. Martin was looking at me. He dropped that ball right on my on my outside shoulder. Boom! I turned up the field, man. Matter of fact. I was so I was really trying to get there, so bad. I actually kind of stumbled and fell into the end zone. <laughs> I "You're it to the end zone." <laughs> but uh, it, it was a big time thing, man. And you know, holding that Lombardi Trophy, you know, it's not, nothing like it.
2: And uh, see the ball. Did you keep that ball, or where is that ball now?
0: Absolutely, it's at, it's at home in my uh, in my trophy case. Um, we we live in uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and. Uh, it's back at the house in the in the, the trophy case. Along with my jersey, the pants that I wore in that game, uh, those those uh, those are those
2: are there. P- pretty incredible. And you mentioned there a moment ago, your coach there was uh, Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs, and he was the man yeah. that traded for you. Uh, what was it like getting coached by Joe, one of the greats in the NFL, and he's a coach you also worked with when you went into your coaching career after?
0: Absolutely. Uh, it was it, it was a first of all, the mystique around Coach Gibbs was so strong. When I got there, for me, you know, you know, I've always respected authority. I've always been a little bit different around authority. I always listened, always did what I was told. But Coach Gibbs was a man where you, you almost, it was almost like he was not approachable. Not that he wasn't approachable. His office was open. Guys went into his office all the time. Matter of fact, I ended up going to talk to him for the 90 season, probably about six games left in the season. A lot of guys got hurt. I went and had a sit down with him. I told him that I wanted to, I wanted him to depend on me. I wanted him to give me the ball because I, you know, I felt like I had the ability to take it and, and do what he wanted us to do. And he told me right there, he said, Ernest, you are the man. You're the only one we got left. So you got to carry this load. <laughs> <laughs> he put it in my hands man. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you 28, 25 times a game, he was handing me that ball and he depended on me. So he was, he's a guy that showed a lot of belief in me. First of all, by training for me, and second of all, by giving me the chance to be the man and uh, and take over for Gerald when when uh, Gerald got hurt.
2: And it was under him as well. You went to the Pro Bowl twice, both in '91 and in 1990. It uh, must have been quite an experience yeah. getting to the Pro Bowl.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, that was something that was uh, again another thing where it's almost you know it's it's it's, al- it's almost eerie because you know when you go to the Pro Bowl, you're with the best of the best, you know, and I'm I'm in the huddle with. uh with Barry Sanders, I'm in hood with Emmett Smith. You know, guys that I walked, guys that I competed against, guys who you know who motivated me because of how they played. You know, gave me some of the incentives to do the lot, some of the things that I did with the Redskins. Uh, and then you know, being able to you know be in in, in hood with the quarter. I mean, it was it, it was it was something that that really validated the efforts that had been put in. Uh, just like the Super Bowl validated the efforts, the, the Pro Bowl was one of those things that validated all those efforts and energies that uh, and the focus that it took to, to be one of the best in the league.
2: And then after that great playing career that you had, you moved into coaching. You retired as a member of the Baltimore Ravens, and you were the first inductee yeah. into their Ring of Honor. When you moved yeah. in, and then after that, you moved into the player development side of it and coaching, and you started that with the Ravens. Um, you played yeah. with them in your time playing with the Ravens, but what was it like being around Ray Lewis as a player or a coach?
0: First of all, Ray, there, there, a lot of people don't know this, but Ray told me, I'm going to follow you around. Every time we go through drills, I'm going to be with you because you're the veteran. You know what you're doing. I'm going to learn from you. That's it, That's what this A lot of people don't know that. I haven't said that to, to, to many people either. Right. Um, he was really kind of like a puppy, like my puppy when he first got in the league. <laughs> um, you know how a puppy just follows yeah, you around,
1: walking you around,
0: around you, know, all, you know, happy and all that kind of stuff. That's the way Ray was. He had... He had leadership ability and and Hall of Fame ability in, in his first year, and he was willing to really almost subjugate himself to some of the veterans to learn some of the tricks of the trade uh, of the you know playing in the league. So being able to play with him and see him grow, and then watch him the, the next next five or six years become the player that uh, that, that he became, the leader that he became. And also the guy that really kind of galvanized that entire team and city, uh, was, uh, was, was a treat. Uh, playing with the, you know, being, being part of a team that moves was different. We moved from, when we moved from Cleveland to Baltimore, it was really, again, another, one of those eerie moments in my career where, you know, you're happy for the move to Baltimore because you're going to be able to continue your career, but you're sad for the Browns. You know, because of all the, the, I had I had spent seven years up there. One of the, one of the last things I'll say about being with the Ravens, Mr. Modell was another man in my career that really gave me the opportunity. You know, first of all, drafting me. Second of all, by telling me that I could do whatever I wanted to do within the organization. I could do player development. I could coach. I could be in the weight room. I could do scouting. He gave me the ability to do that. And another father, father figure and a man that I love and respect for the things that he did for us. Uh, being able to coach, man, going into that next phase of, of my career has, uh, has again, been a, been a been a treat. Because being able to share some of the stuff that I learned and I did as a player, but then some of the stuff that I was able to learn while I watched tape and watched other guys perform. But being able to get these guys to buy into the things that, that I was teaching, uh, was a
2: remarkable thing. And just when you're on that subject, you mentioned Art Modell and he moved the team from Cleveland to Baltimore. And there's a number of the teams, you know, being talked about now possible movement of franchises to the likes of London or LA. And it must've been a, a really strange time when you just moved from Cleveland up to Baltimore.
0: Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, when, when the announcement was made, Mr. Modell came in, he, you know, he said he was going to make things as comfortable for everybody as he could. Um, one of the things that was really tough about about that was we had probably 10 more games left in the season, and, you know, going out, doing uh, personal, uh, personal engagements, you know, autograph yeah. and all that kind of stuff, you ran into all kind of people. Um, and you had some people that were really pissed off, some people that were crying, and some people that were, you know, a little bit, you know, just kind of in the middle. But the emotions ran the gamut. It was... It was an interesting deal, you know, moving. Now, And if I can't segue into another thing that Mr. Modell did for me was he had my name put in the Ring of Honor in the Baltimore Stadium. But a lot of people, you know, some of the fans, they don't necessarily agree with it. I'm all right with it because he made the decision to do that because of the relationship that we had and the things that I did on the football field and off the football field when I was with the Browns. So, he brought and also played two years with the Ravens. So he, he put my entire career into that stadium. That's that's why my name is in that stadium. And I'm proud to be the first guy that he decided to put in the put in the ring of honor and, and the, at the Ravens stadium.
2: You had to be really, really proud of that and, you know, huge achievement getting Put in the ring of honor at that time. Some of the players Crazy. that you've worked with as a running backs coach. You went to the Washington Redskins, uh, but then you went to the Titans as their running back coach in 2008. That was the year that Chris yeah. Johnson was drafted. Uh, had you anything you know into the say of drafting Chris, or how did that go? Yeah,
0: out? yeah, I had to study Chris, and uh, you know, matter of fact, once I, when I initially got there, it was a defensive guy, Marcus Robinson, who was coaching you know the the, the safeties on the Titans team at that particular point. He was one of the first guys who told me about CJ. He actually called me into his office and showed me, said, look here, man, look at this guy. Look at this guy. So he was one of the first ones to open my eyes as far as Chris was concerned. Because actually, when I got there, it was after, if I I remember correctly, it was after the combine. So I was a little bit behind about, you know, studying tape on the running backs. Because, you know, I actually was looking for a job at the combine. So I watched some tape. One of the the games that, that really sealed the deal for me and showed me all the things that he could do as a it, it, running inside and also outside. He wasn't just a speed guy. He had power. And he showed that in the, I believe it was the hula bowl, that they played in in Hawaii. Showed me a lot of stuff. And yeah, so I, you know, put the first grade, first round grade on him. And then uh, the day of the draft when we drafted him, Jeff Fisher, he, he normally calls the, the position coach up to get the final like, okay, you really want this guy. And he asked me that. I said, "Yeah, uh, we we want it." He's uh, he's a guy that can can help us win some
2: games. Yeah, and if you're looking at your coaching credentials, you know, going back through the years, when you were at the Redskins, you had Clinton Portis. Then, when you went there, you had CJ 2K. That was the season that he got over 2,000 yards, and then he went on and yeah. was the offensive player of the year. You moved down then yeah. to Jacksonville, and you had Maurice Jones-Drew. And then, when you were down in Tampa, you had Doug Martin. But just back to yeah. back to. Uh, Chris Johnson again. Just uh, he's moved to the Jets now. How do you th- see him fitting in this year with the with the Jets offense?
0: I think I think if Chris, you know, what somebody asked me uh, the other day, what would I what would I tell CJ? Uh, I think he, I think he's ready. Again, being able to go to another team, Maurice is going to another team. He's going through another team. So you really kind of get a rebirth, so to speak. I think these these guys have the ability to to remake themselves. And the ability to still control games, but also the ability to, uh, be that, the game in and game out player, um, that, that they were at one point in their career. I think they're ready to, uh, I think it's ready to take off. So, I'm looking for the, both of them to go back to their basics, because that, that's the thing that's gonna make you, don't be looking for the big play. Don't look to to break a long one all the time, or look to, to cut it all the way back. No, just do some basic runs, and then then everything else will come to you
2: yeah if you're doing the you know doing the normal runs then some stage the likes of Chris Johnson is going to break out one of those big ones we've seen it from time to time when he breaks off for like about 90 yards for a touchdown so no doubt uh-huh. uh, I, uh-huh. I, still, I still think he can do it and uh, it must have been great for you coaching those two players but the last player I want to ask you about is Doug Martin and you worked with him uh, under Greg Seattle yeah. when you were down there in Tampa Bay that was the, the last job you had coaching but he came in and got to the Pro Bowl as a rookie uh, must have been you yeah. know a special talent to work with
0: absolutely um you know, when we initially drafted, uh, Doug, the thing that we did, we, we had the rookies in and we spent some individual time. We were able to spend just quality one-on-one time with, with all the rookies. Uh, I think I had Doug and I had, uh, Michael Smith and then maybe one or two other rookies, but I mean, the time, I, I got a chance to, to, to really just spend some, some, some of that individual time with them. And I could see in many camp. Rookie mini that this guy had a chance to be to one of the special guys. Uh, he's a freak. Uh, I think he's a, uh, he's a little bit, he's a little bit like Moe. He's a little bit like CJ. Uh, because those guys have a little bit, something that's a little bit different. Doug actually, uh, in, in my opinion, can, can be a better receiver than what he's shown, uh, the first two years. He has the opportunity to actually go out and split out make some plays, do some of the stuff that Maurice did. Uh, love, love all the things that those guys did, all the things that they represented. But I love the opportunity that that they gave me to really be in their lives, you know, because they were open for me to be in their lives, not just on the field, but off the field as well. We we like to to teach and we like to take care of football. But the better person that a guy is, the better football player he'll be, and that's the way that we that that, that we went into the coaching of the running backs. But also the fullbacks that I that I was able to coach: Amar Hall, Greg Jones, Eric Lorick, who's now in uh, in New Orleans. All those guys, man! All the all the guys that were in my room, they gravitated to to the things that I taught. It took me a little while with Mojo, CJ. It took me a little while with because you know we they 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 have uh, they have that personality that's really strong. So they feel like they they got it. But you know, I, okay, I, I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that, but think about this. And eventually, they, I mean, when they, when they clicked more, it was an amazing thing to see.
2: And just before we finish up now, Ernest, um, you're not coaching at the moment, but do you, do you have plans to get back into coaching in the NFL again, and, or have you any other future plans?
0: Uh, no, no real plans to get back yet, because, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of see who's going to be in the position of hiring. Uh, if some people that are familiar with me, and that I'm familiar with get into places where they can they, they can make those hires, I'd love to work. I am you know, Jack Del Rio, Dirk Cutter, I McDaniels mean in uh, New England. There's something some of these guys it just depends on who gets in these places. And if they can they see that I have the, the capability of maybe helping them uh, prepare a team and win some games, yes, I would love to get back in the game. Uh love to be able to continue coaching and teaching and making a difference in these guys' lives. And uh, you know I'm you know, I'm on Twitter now. I, you know, we got a you know, contact with Twitter on, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got a, I got a DVD. I got some, um, uh, a website that's, uh, we, we're going to launch probably within a month or so where I'll, I'll do some blogging, but also it'll be a website where people can go on and, and subscribe to some of the stuff that I taught and teach. Uh, it's going to be all, all video. So I got a few things going, but coaching is, is my life. I was, I was made to be a coach and if there are opportunities there, I'll definitely take
2: it. Yeah, and talking about, you know, your coaching credentials earlier, I really hope to see you back because I'm sure some of the rookie running back class and next year's rookie running back class could really benefit from having, you know, someone with the knowledge that you have of playing the game at the highest level. And you mentioned your Twitter there. Just uh, anyone that's listening that wants to check out Ernest and get a, some interaction with him, you can find him on Twitter. It's Byner. it's B-Y-N-E-R, and we'll be tweeting that out throughout the week. And we'll definitely be staying in touch with you, Ernest, uh, in the coming weeks, months, and hopefully into the years to see you back in the NFL coaching again. And it's been great having you on, and hopefully we'll do it down the line again to, to talk a little bit more to you.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. If you need me, just call me, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey everybody, I'm Adam Rank of NFL.com and NFL Fantasy Live, and you are listening to Overtime, Ireland football podcast. Perhaps, nope, I will declare it number one, the greatest podcast out of Ireland.
2: The yeah, so that was Ernest Bainer, former NFL running back, Super Bowl winning running back, and also caught a touchdown in that Super Bowl, which was a lot of fun to talk about. You can find him on Twitter, as I mentioned there, at eBainer, that's E-B-Y-N-E-R, well worth the follow, he's... New to Twitter but he's getting his follower numbers going up, a bit like Felix Wright who had on a few weeks ago, former Brown's player. His Twitter followers are also going up since his appearance on the show, so maybe the Overtime Ireland uh, podcast giving these guys a bit of a, a bit of a extra following, DJ?
1: Yeah, Colin was really great having Ernest on the show and hearing about some of the players that he's been coaching recently.
2: Yeah DJ it was very interesting to talk to him about the likes of chris johnson what he thinks he's going to do up in new york this year with the jets he talked about another one of his former protégés let, let's call it uh mjd's heading down to oakland it'll be interesting to see how he gets on this upcoming season and then he was talking about doug martin who you know you're looking through those players quite a list of young players that he helped develop so quite a successful coaching career for himself as well he's out of it at the moment but he mentioned if somebody that he's you know in close contact with gets into one of the more higher up jobs or maybe a head coaching job that he would love to be back helping players develop their craft again in the NFL. So hopefully we'll see that in the future and hopefully we'll get Ernest back on the show in the very near future. As I mentioned at the start of the show, one of the guests I enjoyed the most talking with on the podcast. So thanks a lot to Ernest for coming on. Be sure and follow him on Twitter. It's at E. Biner. NFL News So DG, very quiet news period at the moment. Quiet time players all on their off-season duties, taking time out to themselves, hopefully enjoying themselves. But you know, the OTI News, we always are talking about players and different off-the-field situations and things that get them in trouble. And once again, DJ, another player got himself in trouble, Baltimore Ravens. Cornerback Jimmy Smith got arrested. But, you know, this is a strange one. Um, you know, he was a, It was more kind of got into a confrontation with a police officer after an incident at a restaurant and somebody seemed to be getting quite sick. And I think he was kind of more worried about the person uh, that was getting sick and, you know, kind of seeing what people could do to help them. And he kind of maybe lost his composure and I think this is one that uh, mightn't be as bad as Lux, he had no issues since coming into the NFL and you know the Ravens have said that they're looking to gain more information still very early in this process as we record this and I think this will be one DG that isn't as bad as some of the other arrests but I guess an arrest in the NFL you know is going to be spotlighted no matter what.
1: You know, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith done one of the things that I love that all the NFL players that seem to get arrested seem to do just in case the police officer arresting them doesn't know who they are when he was asked for identification he said i'm jimmy smith i play for the ravens so if he wanted to keep it on the low down he really didn't do a good job of it i
2: don't think he was trying to keep it on the low down was he i think he was trying to see uh can i get a free pass here and move along but uh as you know in monopoly uh, you do not pass go and you do not receive 200 dollars in this situation and unfortunately for him he was arrested but he received a citation and was put on his way, so it'll be you know, a little bit more time before we see what comes of this. It's one of the ones I don't think we'll see the NFL getting involved in um, unless there's a, a more serious charge that comes of it. So I think this might be the last bit of this year arrest we hear about, but as it's a very slow news week, DJ, we're picking up everything we can.
1: Yeah, Colm, as you say, it's a, it's a minor offence that Jimmy Smith was arrested for, but he's the fifth Baltimore Ravens player to be arrested this offseason. Does John Harbaugh have a problem on his hands? You know, you want
2: to keep your locker room in check. You don't want too much situations on and off the field. And Yeah, I guess, CJ, what you're saying there could be right. A few of them getting themselves into trouble off the field. We've seen Ray Rice and his situation. and You know, it looks like he'll still pick up a suspension at the start of this league season. But no official decision made on that yet. But we've seen now uh, with the 49ers as well, a couple of players last season getting arrested. And, you know, that there's... John Harbaugh's brother Jim down there, and maybe they need to have a little family conference and see what they can do, but DJ you know you have to think you know final roster will be fifty two men you're looking at this stage quite a larger roster than that, and um, can be hard to keep all these boys you know they're growing men at the end of the day it's hard to keep them all under control and if somebody does something outside the training camp outside of the campus, outside the team facility there's sometimes not a lot you can do about it as a franchise so We'll just have to see if uh, this is the last one for the Baltimore Ravens. They'll certainly be hoping it's the last off the field situation this offseason for them. Talking about the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh DJ. 49ers guard Alex Boone skipped last month's three-day mini camps in the hope of getting a new contract from the team and it now looks certain that he's not going to report to training camp unless he gets that new deal. So but a situation here because they have the Vernon Davis contract situation too. He's looking for more money. Uh, they're looking to make an extension for Michael Crabtree the wide receiver and then you had the new deal for Colin Kaepernick so a bit of financial movement here might have to go on in San Francisco for the 49ers and I think Vernon Davis after the Jimmy Graham thing's resolved I think he'll just go and uh, play play on I don't think it's going to hold him out off camp but Alex Boone he is looking for a bigger contract and the contract he signed was for a kind of not for a starter in the NFL and he's on a quite a quite a low salary for his production and his position so I think uh, he's going to hope to get a little bit more money this upcoming season from the 49ers and talking to the 49ers DJ an end to them I'm sure it was sad for some of the 49ers fans but Candlestick Park is uh no longer the home let's let's say of the 49ers moving to the new stadium this upcoming season and they had a kind of legends game this past week. San Francisco icon Joe Montana. Possibly the best quarterback in NFL history. Along with other stars. They played an all-star team. And it was 45-40 to 40 was the final score in a game in Candlestick Park. So quite a quite a poignant moment there. And those 25,000 people went to the game. And it was all for a good cause. And it was seen with Joe Montana taking the team back from a 40-32 to 32 deficit in the fourth quarter. To get that 45-40 win. So nice for the 49ers fans to see the likes of Joe Montana. One of their all-time favorites uh, and some other legends you know playing out a final game at candlestick park and all for a good cause moving dj maybe away from the nfl we have up to the cfl we love having our pal jeff reinbold on the show coach for the hamilton tiger cats special teams and up there now the montreal alouettes are getting a bit of publicity and it's down to chad johnson chad Ocho Cinco, and he scored his first touchdown in the cfl this week and celebrated dj by hugging the referee is that a celebration you see catching on in the nfl
1: the old ref hug how many flags were thrown on that play
2: i think it was all dj in quite good spirit by chad uh, chad has quite a history of getting flags and penalties for celebrations he's had quite a number over the years and you know we talked uh, on one of the previous podcasts about celebrations and should celebrations be allowed a little bit more in the nfl rather than only being able to celebrate in your own if you could do group celebrations a little bit more similar to in say the premier league or the world cup but Chad Johnson, maybe, uh, and we'll have to put Terrell Owens in this category, or possibly two of the guys that got it to this situation. We had some, uh, you know, different celebrations. Uh There was times when those sharpie pens been taken out of socks, things been signed and all different sorts of things standing up uh, beside the TV camera and everything. So there was a couple of celebrations that obviously went overboard and a number of penalty flags thrown. But Chad Ochocinco obviously loves the publicity and nice to see him there getting a touchdown in one of his first games up in the CFL. And I'm sure it's going to bring a little bit more coverage to the CFL because Chad Johnson does kind of hit the buzzer and get some media attention with most of the things he does. So... Obviously his NFL career looks to be over, but nice to see him. Uh, obviously has the bug, obviously loves playing football and didn't want to walk away. And he's got a chance up there in Canada, so looking to prove himself up there. And Jeff did talk about it's a different game up there. Pitches different dimensions and different rules and that. So um, be interesting to see how Chad Johnson does up there. Interesting news, DG, for me and for other Green Bay Packers fans. Former Jets, Bills and Broncos safety Jim Leonhard uh, confirmed on Friday that he chatted to the Packers about possibly getting a, a role there on the team. He's 31 years old. He's played 10 seasons in the NFL last year. He had a career high of four interceptions over 16 starts with the Buffalo Bills. You know He's had a, a productive enough career, Dejan. You? You know, we all know the situation with the Packers in defense last year. and They're looking to improve in all ways they can. I think they have stepped up this year. There's a lot of improvements made on that defense, but I think they're looking now to give a little bit of depth to the team and I think it is a possibility that we do see Jim Leonhard coming into the team and that there was a report that was done by cheeseheadtv.com you know and he's you know he was obviously talking in glowing terms of the organization trying to do everything that he could to get an opportunity with the team and he said that this is possible his last year in the NFL so maybe he thinks that if he gets into the Packers roster that he'll have a maybe a chance of capping his career with a Super Bowl ring but we'll have to see what happens and other Packers news, obviously, a lot of people will have heard by now that the retirement of Brett Favre's number four jersey has been put on hold. You know, President Mark Murphy talked about it over the past week, and obviously the fear is, you know, people booing while Brett Favre comes into the stadium. There's still some Packers fans that wouldn't be too happy with the overall situation of how he left. You know, he retired, and anyone to come back, to any, you know, with the Minnesota Vikings, with the New York Jets, and with all the one on. So some people still hold that grudge, I think, as time has passed. It's been soothed over a bit and as Aaron Rodgers has developed into one of the leading quarterbacks in the NFL I'm sure that has helped him as well but as a Packers fan it's something that over time time heals all these wounds and I think um, most of the Packers fans have forgiven Brett Favre let's say for for what went on but you know you only need that small section that minority in the crowd to to ruin an event like this so I'd say at the moment it's probably you know in the 70-30 range For support for it but that 30% I think they're going to still let it try and go another year or so before this happens so the upcoming season you won't be seeing Brett Favre in Lambeau. Everyone's team DJ's looking great at this stage of the year just a quick round up with some other teams Brian Hoyer says he's 100% healthy so that means that he is hoping to start the upcoming season for the Browns and you know he's coming off that knee injury let's see how he goes but everyone's talking themselves up at this time of the year Eli Manning and he's talking about re-energized New York Giants offense and He had career low year last year, let's call it. You know, we talk about people having career years. Well, this was a career low year for Eli Manning. Didn't have a great year. A lot of interceptions. Some of them his fault. Some of them the wide receivers missing the routes. And, you know, some bad throws. Everything went into it. But very, very down year for the New York Giants. And he's talking about the re-energized team. You know, there's a few new pieces in there. A few new uh, wide receivers, rookie players and a few other players picked up through free agency so they're going to be looking to improve this year and you have Victor Cruz looking to get back to his best this upcoming season so Eli Manning talking in glowing terms off the New York Giants offense but as I mentioned DJ everyone at this moment in time is talking about how good they are and the sad unfortunate truth is from this point forward DJ... It's kind of only down for most teams, and a player that's talking about only going down is Chris Harris off the Broncos, and he says the Broncos know that a Super Bowl or bust this year for them, I've seen them last year got to the Super Bowl, got pretty much wiped out by the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl after that terrible start with the botched snap and the safety to start the game, and he's talking about, you know, they have to win the Super Bowl this year, or it's going to be a failed season for them, and as I mentioned DJ, only one team will win that Super Bowl, and unfortunately for all the fans, you know, we'll go through the ups and downs through the season, but... As the NFL goes, if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's often looked at as a failed season. So we'll see how it goes. And 32 teams will be since Super Bowl or Boston, I'm sure, this upcoming season. Any other news, DJs? we look around the NFL on this very quiet Newsweek?
1: Yeah, Colm, that wraps up the OTA news for this week's podcast. Now we're going to head into the OTI Q&A section.
0: OTI Q&A. Want your questions answered on the OTI podcast? Tweet the guys at Overtime Ireland. Or email OvertimeIreland at gmail.com.
1: Questioning on Twitter. Come from Cookie 991 I don't know whether he was trying to ring an ambulance when he was... (laughs) Hello, emergency. ...selecting his uh, Twitter name, but big shout-out to Cookie. and thanks to him for his question. His question is, is there a growing problem with drugs in the NFL or is it a lack of help for the players after the first offence?
2: Well DJ the first thing I'll say is it's certainly not a lack of help for the NFL players these players are you know catered for their every need we talked previously on the podcast a number of times about you know if players getting caught for DUI well there's no real excuse for that because they have a confidential limo service available to all players you just ring the number there's a number for each franchise uh, where the service will come pick them up at whatever town you're in and you know when you're Getting picked up for that, I mentioned confidential. It's com- you have a confidentiality clause where you know the team doesn't find out if you are drunk, and the information is kept confidential. So there's no excuse for players you know if they're drinking to get into their own car and drive home. They have this service provided for them, but we often see it happening. Same with the drug situation, DJ. we seen two weeks ago a lot of the rookies up in the NFL Rookie Symposium. We talked to Ross Tucker on the show a few weeks ago before he had it up. And, you know, he was talking about he hopes that none of the players that were there this year get into any trouble off the field for, you know, drugs or failed drugs tests or so on. He was saying that, you know, that was something that was emphasised very heavily to the players when they were up there. But again, DJ, it comes down to the player, the personality on and off the field. You know, if you go to work, whoever you work with, they might have a substance abuse issue. They might have some issue off the field. And again... These things do happen even in normal situations in normal life. But, you know, we asked about is it if they don't get enough help after the first defense. I think they get more help after the first defense. And, you know, you have so many helplines, have so many situations that they can get help. The team wants to, obviously, they've invested a lot of money in them. They want to keep them uh, on the straight and narrow, want them to have a good career. And obviously, if you're suspended for failing drugs tests and so on, you can't have a good career in the NFL. So I think there's a lot of support there for them. But sometimes the players just need To see the future, see how things are going. I've seen DJ where. The honey badger, Tyrone Matthew, was talking about people saying that maybe he would be the person that should help Josh Garden through this situation, you know, with his off the field issues. And he was saying that, you know, he's not ready to help anyone. He's only coming out of this situation himself, where he missed his final year at college due to suspension, due to failing drugs tests. So, you know, there's players who've slowly turned it around over time. Chris Carter was another one, and he was talking about maybe they need to cut him to, you know, make open his eyes. And you know, he had a serious situation when he was with the philadelphia eagles and he got cut went on then to the minnesota vikings and had a hall of fame career and you know tremendous player but he'll admit uh, i've listened to him a number of shows that he was on it wasn't easy for him he didn't realize at the time how tough a situation he was in and it wasn't until he was cut that it opened his eyes so i guess the main talking point at the minute obviously what this situation is josh gordon and hopefully he'll get kind of a waking up moment or an intervention i think uh, it'll take people you know somebody will have to step up to the plate and help him and hopefully then he realizes the help is there and he can get through this time and reestablish his career in the nfl because no doubt he is such a talented player but i think there's a lot of support there cookie in the question you asked i think they do support their players we've seen alden smith get supported from the 49ers many players that have been suspended for off the field issues do get support and obviously when the clubs have so much money invested in the players they're going to want to get a return on that investment. The one time I think maybe they're not as supported as others is maybe you're a rookie free agent or you're somebody who's on the you know possibly on the bubble that could get cut, and you do you do something off the field and you get in trouble for it. Maybe you get cut rather than help through it. If you're somebody with you know a big contract or highly talented, I think the teams are likely to give you more chances and hence give you more support and try and structure a thing to get you through this situation. But I think DZ, do you think that answers that one?
1: Yeah, just on a. Similar topic relating to drugs in the NFL and the Drugs Enforcement Administrations in the US have launched a probe after t- attorneys representing about one th- or about 1,300 NFL retirees found a lawsuit accusing the league of illegally handing out painkiller sleeping pills and other drugs without informing the players of the risks and health problems associated with them and also the possibility of addiction and this is coming on the back of the allegations against the NFL that had covered up the long-term dangers of concussions and now it looks like federal agents could be launching a blitz on the NFL to find out exactly what has, been going on, what has been going on and how former NFL players were given drugs so easily by doctors and trainers.
2: Yeah, did you like the way you phrased that there, a blitz on the NFL? Uh, I think that might have been purposely punned in there, but good choice of words, but... DJ, this is something I've been following for quite some time. I've listened to it in a number of other shows, uh, listened to a lot of podcasts myself, and listening to some shows, the big issue here, DJ, is a lot of players obviously wanted to be on the field for certain games. They wanted to take things. They just say, "Doc, get me on the field. Give me whatever I need to get on the field and play the game." And that happened a lot. And I've seen players come out and say, "Yeah, I did say that," and I, you know, I'll admit that I said that, but they weren't given the full. The full read down of this can cause this, this can cause that. And maybe at the time, even the doctors didn't realize what it can cause. And some people have had quite serious complications after it, once they retired and so on. Kidney function and different things like that. But it's like any substance that you take DJ can alter the way your body works. And players back then, you know, you do talk about, you know, concussions. People used to say, oh, well, he got dinged. Well, that's a, you know, a concussion. And, you know, he was seeing stars, another word for a concussion. There's no such thing as a half a concussion. You can Maybe a mild concussion, a serious concussion is still a concussion. If you have a concussion, you shouldn't be playing. And so many times, DJ, we've seen where players maybe have been concussed went back in the game. We watch back at NFL films and they talk about these Warriors. A lot of the time, these guys are playing through serious injuries. I've seen players playing through broken bones and so on and still fighting their way through it. And all that was done with heavy medication, whether it be painkillers or injections or what. So, this here is the thing that's gone on over time. And I do feel sorry for the players that took these substances. Maybe some of them didn't know about it but I've also seen other players saying that if they could do it all again, that they would do it all again. One former player, DJ, we had in the show here a few months back and that was Hall of Famer Harry Carson and he did say if he had an opportunity to go back to the start and do it all again, he didn't think that he would play in the NFL and that's a Hall of Famer saying things like that. So, you know, he maybe he thinks that your cognitive health and, you know, your brain function all is a lot more important than just the money that you're going to get in the field. And, you know, you're talking about the lawsuit coming up, uh, the lawsuit also on the concussions. And, you know, there's certain terminology has to be put in there by doctors, whether it be dementia uh, is one of the key talking points. You have to have the word dementia in there to get it. The settlement starts from over a million dollars, but below that, there's no lower thing. So for people who just have Bad memory loss and so on and so forth. If it doesn't say dementia, you know you're not entitled to a claim. So there's a lot of grey lines and grey areas in this uh, lawsuit. And same DJ as you mentioned there with the one about the painkillers. There's going to be a long, long, long time before this has started out. But down the line there uh, could be some serious repercussions for the NFL. And DJ, the other question that came in was from Cahill McCabe. And he's a fellow Packers fan like myself. And he was wondering, as a Packers fan, who should he support in the Crow Park Classic? Last week we had on Alan Milton from the GAA Head of Media Relations and he was talking about the Crow Park Classic coming up at Crow Park in Dublin, Ireland this August. And there is Packer getting involved in the show once again, DJ, as he likes to try and do each and every week. It would be disappointing for him, I'm sure, if he didn't get his appearance on the show. So, hi everybody from Packer, my dog. But the question was, it's kind of a good time DJ, actually, because the question was in from Cahill and he's a Packers fan. So, maybe Packer was trying to tell him who he should support in the Crow Park Classic, but... When we had on Alan last week he talked about the game but coming up in the show DJ in the coming weeks we're going to have on some of the coaches and players from hopefully both teams but definitely some of them lined up and hopefully Cahill as they're on the show maybe they'll be able to talk you into why you should support their team this upcoming season. Maybe that's a question DJ will ask them each time they're on as to who should our listeners support while they're at the game and ramp up the atmosphere in crow park so Cahal, as it stands we'll go 50 50 on both teams as we go towards the game we'll try and decide who the oti guys are going to be supporting and what we're looking forward to is a fantastic game and a fantastic occasion in dublin and hopefully help spread the game more because we've been interacting DJ, with the guys on twitter a lot of the listeners are playing American football both in Ireland and Britain and this past weekend seeing some of the final games in the IAFA which is the Irish American Football Association and the guys there at the Irish American Football Association are doing a fantastic job growing the game over here. A number of the teams getting contact with us on Twitter and love getting involved with them and seeing what's going on but they'll be heading into the playoffs now in the upcoming weeks and a lot of excitement there from all the ones around the IAFA and you know, if you want to go and check out more about it, check out their Twitter handle on Twitter. It's at IFA Ireland. So give them a follow and see what all's going on. The game's growing over here fantastically. And I know there's people listening to the show from all over the world. So the game is growing here in Ireland. So don't be afraid to check them out. That's at IFA Ireland. Another person I want to give a quick uh, shout out to here, DJ, and that is Huddle Magazine. They've been on the show previously and their Twitter handle is at Huddle Magazine and they're a UK-based American football magazine. They feature a page for all 32 teams in their magazine each and every month. You can download a free sample on their website. It's huddlemagazine.com forward slash sample. But they're doing a deal, DJ, where you can get a season pass with them, save yourself some money this upcoming season. You can also get their magazine in the printed format and, you know, it's well worth a read. We, got their copies last year of the magazine some very highly informative stuff on it and some great writers involved with them so be sure and check them out it's huddlemagazine.com so trying to grow all the all the kind of people covering the sport over here and they're another fantastic group covering the nfl and they cover the ncaa as well so go and check them out there's huddlemagazine.com we'll be setting up an affiliate program with them in the coming week so you're able to get the magazine through overtimeireland.com as well so we are wrapping up the show towards the end off this week's show.
1: Yeah Colin just before we finish up there you mentioned the Irish American Football League and as you know from September I'm going to be heading to Galway so I want to give a quick shout out to the Galway Warriors uh, Irish American Football team down there who had a Thirteen six 6 victory over the South Kildare soldiers this weekend so a big shout out to them.
2: Yeah DJ and uh, maybe you're trying to plug yourself into the team some way trying to get an early you know shout out to them see if they want to try and recruit you for next season as you'll be down there in Galway doing more study but a lot of fun DJ it's something that I've thought about quite consistently with work at the moment I don't think it's something I can commit to but in the very near future, and hopefully in the upcoming season. It's something that I hope to play. There's a couple of teams around here in the area we're from.
1: Any of the Irish-American football teams are looking for a tight end. I'm sure <laughs> that would be the position Callum would be looking for.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, DJ, certainly have a height advantage anyway, 6'6". Six six, and I think I might have to put on a little bit more wit to play the tight end position, but I'd give it a go. But uh, anyway, DJ, as we head towards the end of this show... Um, Just urge all the listeners to subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. Help us spread the word. Give us a few tweets out on your Twitter handle if you're on Facebook. Overtime Ireland doesn't have a Facebook page. But feel free to give us a shout out. Link in the link to the podcast and help us grow this each and every week as we move towards the NFL season. Trying to bump up the listenership and the followers on Twitter. So thank you again for all your support. So until next week, DJ, we'll be back with another show. I guess all that's left to say is I'm Colm. And I'm DJ. And I guess we'll say signing off by packing my dog as well, DJ.
1: Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime
0: Ireland. Check out Overtime and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.